0: Don't look back because the market is closed. Good Tuesday afternoon, everyone. Tyler Harwich here with you for today's VRA Investing Podcast. Well, it was a pretty remarkable winning streak that we've seen lately from the NASDAQ and the S&P 500 and really overall from our major indexes in general. But it had to come to an end at some point. And today, wrapped up that winning streak. The Nasdaq finishing with 11 straight days of gains before today. The S&P, 8 straight days of gains before today. Really impressive stuff from all of our major indexes over the last 20 days or so. Uh, Getting to all-time highs across the board. Getting to extreme overbought on steroids. From for the VRA investing system momentum oscillators here, so really today isn't much of a shocker here, and really wasn't that bad of a day at all. Our major indexes finishing down, but nothing massive. Uh, so let's start off with that today. The Dow leading the way, if you want to call it that, down about three tenths of one percent to thirty six thousand three hundred and nineteen. We were followed there by the S and P five hundred. Down 0.35% to 4,685. Next up was the NASDAQ, down six tenths of 1% to 15,886. And lastly, the Russell 2000 down just over six tenths of 1% as well to 2,427. Again, as I mentioned, our markets at extreme overbought on steroids here. So not a big surprise here. Uh, And really, our markets could use a little bit of a pause here. We've got seeing excessive bullishness now as well with the fear and greed index now at an 86, that is extreme greed and really has been at extreme greed readings for over a week or so now, which, you know, that doesn't mean that the market can't continue heading higher, but based off the VRA investing system, this is the time where we act with a little bit of patience. We've taken some profits here. Uh, now, that's not to say that we're not holding a significant amount of positions as well, but this is the time when we take caution in adding positions here. Uh, as we've said here often, we have full faith that this is go- is a major bull market that we're only in year two of here. Y'all know our prediction. Dow Jones is hitting 100,000 uh, over the next five years. So certainly, we are probably the most bullish out there right now. But in situations like this, with the VRA investing system at extreme overbought on steroids readings, these are the times when we take profits and get ready to gear up again after a short pullback. And we do believe these pullbacks here are going to be short and sweet. But on that note as well, the VIX on, on its own, a little bit of a winning streak here, finishing up now the last four sessions, still not elevated numbers here from the VIX, especially not what we've seen over the last 18 months since coronavirus insanity began, but the VIX was up 3.25% to 1778. So still below an 18 here. It hasn't reached overbought levels yet. So could have a little bit of room to run. But one of my main areas of focus here today that has been so interesting is that we're seeing a confirmation that treasury yields Want to continue lower the 10 year yields day falling again 4.34 percent to uh, 1.43 on the 10 year. And the important point here is that this now marks a lower high from what we saw earlier this year. Remember, February and March, people freaking out about a 10 year that got to a 1.74, not elevated really by any means, n- nothing major. Although getting much more above that level could cause some structural issues uh, in our financial system here, which I've gotten into on other podcasts. Don't quite have time. We could do a whole podcast on that topic alone for sure. But the important point for today is that this is a lower high. So we got to 1.74 back in March. Now, our recent high was a 1.68. So as a technician, that's not if, and, and you're bullish on yields, which we aren't. So that is not the pattern you want to see. If you are bullish on where yields are headed, lower highs and lower lows, and we can we continue to believe that we're going to hit a lower low from here. And we're seeing confirmation from further out on the curve as well. The 20 year also pulling back from its recent highs. The 30 year as well. And if you've been tuning in with us here, you know that is a trend that we expect to continue. Uh, Our call, and we believe we're the first ones out there to do it, to be calling for negative interest rates here in the U.S. That is coming very soon and especially now looking like it's going to become true as the rumors are intensifying here that one of the more dovish members of the FOMC, Lyle Baynard might take over from fed chair, Jerome Powell, taking over the fed chair position. Baynard was recently revealed that she is interviewed with the Biden administration. And now that Powell's term will be up early next year. You can already see the narrative to get Powell out and lead to his replacement here virtually with no pushback at all. Uh, especially because Powell was nominated by Trump. So that's already an easy way to get him out. And then next really has been the insider trading information. Uh, That right there is poor optics in and of itself, right under his watch, multiple fed presidents being accused of insider trading have been proven to be to have insider traded on some of their information and Powell himself being accused of insider trading. I mean, you don't have to look hard to find a lot of corruption in this system. It's always been that way, going back to 1913, when the Federal Reserve was created. But it's more blatant, more obvious than ever now, when you have companies like BlackRock, who Jerome Powell has over $10 million invested with, receiving a no-bid contract from the government to implement their securities buying program. I mean, how much more obvious can it get for a conflict of interest? Uh, But especially, like I said, this is just poor optics from an institution that claims to be fighting against wealth inequality claims to be fighting for the everyday person. But in actuality has been one of the main catalysts with their easy monetary policy bailouts for big corporations uh, with very little restrictions on those. And Really, we won't find out for another decade how much money was really given to the major banks during coronavirus insanity. Just like the financial crisis, we didn't find out until 2017 or later where all of that money really went to and even how much was spent. Now it's come out to show that they were giving money to banks that were actively shorting the U.S. housing market, that were actively selling those products to their clients and betting against them and not a, a single arrest has been made. So we know this institution is corrupt uh, beyond belief, really. The more you dig into it, the more unbelievable it gets. But the main reason that they want to get Jerome Powell out is that the permanent ruling class does not see Jay Powell as aggressive enough in the policies they want him to enact. Now, we'll be one of the first to tell you Going back to March of last year when coronavirus insanity really began, nobody knew how bad of a crisis this was going to be. Now, for us here, we have the the receipts to prove this on our podcast being against lockdowns, being against any type of government mandate for this, but at the same time, there was a lot of uncertainty. So the Federal Reserve might have actually done a pretty good job if they were in an honest system of what they did to hold up the economy, uh, to support the financial system during that time. And really, going back to the repo crisis, we were talking about that ahead of the repo crisis, that the world was telling us, the markets were telling us, the world wanted more debt in the markets. And we certainly got that over the last two years or so now. But as we Get to the point where we need to exit from those policies, and it might be the right thing to do if we lived in an honest system, but that's not what the permanent ruling class wants. They don't want a market pullback, a major one. Uh, They don't want (laughs) to give up their easy monetary policies. What they want is more financial engineering, much more quantitative easing, lower rates, and really... The ultimate end game here is to use the Federal Reserve as the piggy bank for their agenda. And that agenda, bringing communism to the United States, creating a, an essentially a caste system of the haves and the have-nots in our system under the guise of equality, under the guise of protecting the world from climate change. These are all things that, Jay Powell did a good job of introducing for them, but they need one of their lackeys to be in place as the Federal Reserve chair to get them one step closer to that end goal. That's why we've been saying here that this could be with what we're witnessing with the taper right now that Jerome Powell has talked about could be one of the shortest attempted tapers in the Federal Reserve's short history of quantitative easing and tapering. That's how we see it here. And that might be another reason why they get him out. Let's say this taper begins and the market does sell off a little bit. That's an excuse enough right there to get Jay Powell out and to get somebody who's more dovish in to the system. So that's how we see it here. And again, while tapering might be what we need most long term, it's not what the permanent ruling class once here, so you can see how the timing of this really plays out perfectly with, between the insider trading and the taper beginning later this month. If the markets start to freak out, you can all but guarantee that at the first sign of fear in this market, the Biden administration will announce that they're nominating someone, likely Brainerd, Baynard, to replace Jay Powell. So, in our view, Again here, the sell-offs will continue to be short-lived. This is that melt-up bull market, folks. It takes the Dow Jones to 100,000. We're only in year two of it here. So again, I'll point out that the markets are at extreme overbought readings on all of our VRA momentum oscillators. So while we remain extremely bullish, this is not the time that we'd be acting on new positions. Uh, We're going to wait here. Like I said, we just sold some today as well. We're looking to add them back quickly here though on a recent pullback that's what we're looking for we'll be patient for it here looking at our internals on the day today really pretty good for a day that was negative across the board but maybe a little bit of a signal here again for the pullback because we did come in mixed but again we're at overbought readings this is about what you would expect from the internals really i wouldn't even say mixed and negative really just mixed on the day advancing stocks are losing, advancing stocks, losing to declining stocks on the day, really not by a lot though. And I'll point out that the NYSE advanced decline line did hit another all-time high yesterday. And as we say here often, all-time highs are not a bearish occurrence. Uh, new highs begets new highs. That's how, how I was taught. It's how I've seen it so many times over my career here so far. Uh, so another reason we see a pause here being short and sweet new 52 week highs and lows continue to come in positive coming in over three to one positive on the day to day. And lastly, volume coming in negative for the NYSE, but it did come back positive for the Nasdaq. So another reason we call this about mixed on the day to day. Looking at our sectors on the day, we finished with six out of our 11 S&P 500 sectors higher on the day, and we got a few all-time highs here as well. we were led by utilities. The next up were materials hitting an all-time high today, followed by consumer staples, energy, and then real estate, which is not far away from an all-time high here either. But I also want to point out that the home builders hit an all-time high today. Uh, so, as housing is one of our most important leading economic indicators, housing and transports. Seeing the home builders hitting all time highs is another major bullish sign for us here. And then lastly, for our leaders on the day, we're industrials. And then for our laggers, consumer discretionary, uh, leading the way lower today. I've talked about this a little bit before as well, but between Tesla and Amazon, Those two stocks alone make up over 40% of the consumer discretionary sector. And we had Tesla down almost 11.99%. So 12%, that's a big down day from Tesla, likely on some of the news that Elon's gonna be selling a significant chunk of his stock based off that Twitter poll he did, although it was probably already planned that he was gonna sell it. Uh, So between Tesla being down 12%, That was enough to take down consumer discretionary pretty significantly today. And then after that were financials and then tech did hit an all time high at the beginning of the session today, opened slightly higher on the day and then fell after this morning. But on that note, the semis continuing to truck higher, not by a lot, just up just over one tenth of one percent, but hitting another all time high here and That's what you want to see is semis leading the way. And we continue to get that here. And we are in the best month of the year for the semis with a 30-year average in November of returns of 4.9%. That's an impressive month. And I have one more that's even more impressive I'll get to here in a second for the month of November. But semis are already up 10% month to date so far. So they remain in a strong position here to challenge their best November of a 19% returns in November. We'll see if we get that level of strength from the semis this month. And then for our final laggards on the day, healthcare and communication services. Finally for today, our VRA commodity watch gold now up just over three tenths of 1% to 1,834 an ounce. And while this group has been lackluster lately, This is also seasonally one of the best times of the year to be in precious metals. And we got some confirmation of that today as the miners vastly outperformed the base metal today. GDX, the gold miners ETF, was up almost 1.3% today. So big outperformance on gold in this group you want to see the miners outperforming the metal. That's a very bullish sign there as well. Next up, silver down 0.65% to $24.38 an ounce. Copper down as well, about six tenths of one percent to four dollars and thirty-seven cents a pound. And oil now up on the day, just under three percent to eighty-four dollars and thirty-six cents a barrel. As you've probably seen, rumors going around now that they're gonna be shutting down another pipeline. Uh, really. If you pay attention to this, it seems all but obvious that this is intentional. After you watched the Secretary of Energy, I believe it was yesterday on Bloomberg, speaking with Tom Keene. he asked about the oil problem and she laughed in his face. It was embarrassing to watch for her. Not for Tom Keene, for sure. Uh, props to him for asking the question, really. But the fact that she answered it in the way that she did, laughing in his face so nonchalantly, it reminded me a lot of when Trump was running for office, campa- campaigning on jobs, and Obama made the, the joke that what's he gonna do? Wave a magic wand and bring back these jobs? Well, that's a lot what it seemed like to him. Unfortunately for Obama, It doesn't take the complexity of a magic wand to do it. It takes uh, simpler policies, taking away the red tape from businesses. And that's exactly the red tape that they put up on oil and gas, ending the uh, uh, permits on federally owned land, taking away pipelines, really handcuffing U.S. oil producers, which would be the best, right? You want to be able to regulate it in your own country, not have countries like Russia and Saudi Arabia controlling it, where if they really were that concerned about climate change, they would want to be producing oil here where they can do it in a more sustainable environment. Because we're going to need an ease in to this electric economy based off renewables, which we have no problem with here. We just think that they're looking after the wrong solutions. In our mind, it's something along the lines of of nuclear and wind certainly isn't the answer where these windmills cost more to produce in co2 than they ever save in their entire lifetime of one of these windmills uh so absolutely incredible to be watching this happen and now that i do pay so much attention to this it seems like it's all got to be intentional they can't really be This dumb, right? That two guys from Texas have figured this out. I don't buy that, right? I think a lot of people have figured it out that this is the game plan here. And another reason why we've seen oil getting back above $100 a barrel, that's been our call since the beginning of this year. We remain firm on that one. It's really simple when you think about it. They have to have oil at higher prices. That's the only way that you can make Ideas like wind and solar competitive with natural gases uh, like oil and for the and natural gas, of course, which I, I could get. I could do another whole podcast on this as well. But natural gas is a big reason why the U.S. has been able to bring down their CO2 emissions by something like 20 percent since 2005. Natural gas has been a huge part of that solution, but they want nothing to do with that because it inhibits where they wanna go with these renewables. Now, in a perfect world, we love the idea of renewables, but we're gonna to have to transition. This transition looks like it's going, all, not going to go so smoothly based off the way it's going right now. And finally for today, Bitcoin hitting a fresh all-time high today, up 2.07% now to 67,439 of Bitcoin. And we're also, as I mentioned earlier, the November stat that I was talking about, this is one of the most bullish months for Bitcoin. An average November gain for Bitcoin is 62%. Uh, it's hard to believe that there's other months that are better, but I haven't seen any, any stats saying that November is the best month. So pretty incredible. Uh, we continue to remain bullish on Bitcoin. We don't have it in our portfolio right now, but we have uh, some positions that give us some, some uh, exposure to Bitcoin here. So another group that we remain long-term bullish on here, absolutely. And it didn't hurt that Tim Cook, CEO of Apple, also came out today saying that he owns Bitcoin. Didn't say anything about Apple buying Bitcoin, but saying that it is an a essential part of a portfolio and a portfolio makeup. So interesting comments there from Tim Cook as well. So folks, that is all that we have time for here today. Please be sure to subscribe to receive our VRA podcast every day at the market close. And be sure to join us tomorrow. We've got a special interview. Uh, We're going to have a video as well with Dr. Yami from Duke uh, over coronavirus. Should be a really interesting podcast. Kip will be hosting it. So we'll be back here tomorrow with that. So we won't have our regular VRA podcast tomorrow. It'll be a special one. You'll be able to find it on Everywhere you see our podcast now, Spotify, SoundCloud, and we'll have it, the video, up on YouTube as well. Folks, thanks again for tuning in. Oh, also, you can subscribe to our VRA podcast at VRAinsider.com. Click that podcast link at the top, and we'd love to have you with us. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, we'll see you back here tomorrow for the close.